because not, not that I was sick, it's just that my throat was bad and I didn't want to disturb you from hearing the word of God and it won't upset you by my constant coughing. Otherwise, you'll be focusing on, yo, Pastor, you okay? Pastor, you okay? Pastor, you okay? No, no. So, you might as well enjoy the service. So, I missed you last Sunday. Uh, thank Dr. Chen for helping me out so much. It was, it's so much better now, trusting that I will completely recover. Amen? But it's good to have you all in the house of God. Amen. So good to see you all and missed you all. Seems like ages since I stood up here, but it's wonderful. Amen. I love God's house. I love God's people. Amen. It's always so good to come into a, a, an atmosphere where the people love one another. Huh? To hear worship, to praise God. All this is wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I am blessed. Pastor Lipan and I were just talking about the blessing of the Lord while we were driving up from Sepang this morning. How good God is to us. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Amen? Count your blessings. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Blessed above and beyond. Yes, we, 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 we've gone through tough times. All of us have. But we don't want to go back to them again. Uh, we just enjoy what we have today. Amen. One of the things that I was sharing in the... Uh, Bible study, uh, the study of Ruth, is that uh, our, our knowledge of God grows as our experiences with God grows. See, in the Bible, you will discover that, that God did not really give himself any name. It was people who began to name the places. For example, Abraham when the Lord provided a ram as he was about to offer Isaac, he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. That was not a name that, that God gave himself, but a name that, God, uh, that Abraham began to know God by. So all his life, you will find that Abraham would always look to God who provides. That's the God he came to know because of the experience he had on that mountain. Are you following with me? Hagar, on the other hand, would begin to know God as Jehovah Roi, which simply means the God who sees. Because she was in a desperate position. She did not know this God. You know, she would have heard Abraham praying, whatever it is, but she never knew God. See, the, the experiences you read in the Bible are people who have experienced God in some measure and began to know him in that aspect. So all their experiences combined give us a better picture of God. Amen. David has tremendous experiences with God as he worships God. So he goes, God is my shield. God is my shepherd. God is my uh, a buckler. He, he lifts me up. God is my fortress. So his experiences with God begins to help him understand a little of the nature of God. We cannot know all of God, but our experiences with him as we continue to seek after him will begin to define our relationship with him. If you know him 
as, as someone who has met you in a critical moment of your life, that's the God you know who will carry you through every critical moment of your life. Come on, amen? Your knowledge of God <clears throat> increases as your experiences with God begin to, exp uh, to uh, increase. The problem we have is not prayers that have not been answered. The problem we have is that prayers have not been offered. Everybody following with me? Sometimes we say, oh, God never met my dreams, never met my desires. The, pro the problem is not God not answering. The problem is, have you offered them to God in all sincerity? Have you sought after him to get an answer? Have you continued to ask that you might receive? Seek that you might find. Knock that the door might be open unto you. That is the problem. Amen? Because God promises to answer our prayers. Can I hear an amen? Everybody okay? All right. So I trust that, you know, as, as we begin, that's why I like to talk about God. I like to reveal a little bit more about God. We call it, in, in a seminary setting, theology. By the way, next Sunday morning, we are having uh, a speaker. His name is Galen Hapwick. Uh, he is one of the top lecturers in the top universities in Manila, the Asian Theological Seminary. He's passing through, going to lecture in Bible school, but he will be stopping over our church, coming on a Saturday, staying with us, and then ministering here next Sunday morning. His specialty is Jesus. All his life, he has just been doing his theological studies, master's, doctorate, everything on Jesus. So we are going to be blessed. Amen? Next Sunday morning, come, because, see, we need to grow in our knowledge. So, so what, what am I saying? I'm saying... Sometimes, like, you know, like Jonathan this morning is sharing his experience with the Lord and how the Lord showed him that there are times of famine where nothing happens and then the reward still comes. You continue to keep sowing. So he begins to know that no matter what happens and although I go through much famine, there's coming a season where I am going to reap abundantly. So you start to experience God and you say, this is the God I know. I'm not going to be worried because I've gone through this season before. There's been tough times, but I know at the end I'm going to reap my reward. God will bless. Amen. So we want to talk more and more about God. I wanted to give you a scripture, uh, knowing your God. I want to talk about know your God, know him. Uh, I remember Joanna's message. <clears throat> we say, she talked about the valley of dry bones, but as she was reading through the scripture, Three times in that portion of scripture that she was reading, it says this. God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says this. That they may know that I am God. Three times. In just a few verses that she read. Three times that they may know that I am God. So God's desire is that we know him. He is not a God who wants to play hide and seek. You shall seek me and find me if you search for me with all your heart. This is not a hide and seek verse. It is simply, if your heart is in it, you will find me. Because I want to be found. I want to be found so badly and that you guys might know me that I will send my son to die for your sins. That's how badly I want you to know me. Come on, amen. Huh? God is on our side. Can I hear an amen? 
He is. He is on our side. He's on your side, no matter what you feel about yourself. So uh, the scripture I wanted to read was actually Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. Uh, the first portion, of course, is a very negative portion. He's talking about the Antichrist kind of thing or the wicked ones that will arise. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who act wickedly uh, toward the covenant. And this is the portion I want to uh, stress, stress a little bit on. But the people who, come on, who know their God, not know something about God, or who have information about God, but the people who know their God. So experiences that were shared this morning, what will happen? They will display what? Strength. And they will, they will not play it safe. They will not play it safe, like talking about sowing in famine. They will not play it safe because they know their God. And if their God has made a promise, they know He's going to keep it. They know their God. They will be strong, come hell or high water. I will love you and I will serve you. Though God slay me, yet will I serve him. Come on, church. Amen. This is what God wants to build inside of you. That you will be strong enough to take action. You will be strong enough to step out of your boat. You will be strong enough to say, I may be 80 years old on the outside, but give me another mountain so I can take it. You will be strong enough. Come on, amen. Huh? I can do all things through Christ. You will be strong enough. Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, as I was going through this, I just want you to see a few things. I was reading Exodus, so I'm taking most of my context from the book of Exodus, chapter 2, chapter 3. Uh, a few things that we need to understand. Number one, God works. Now, Work is not a curse. God didn't curse man with a work, you know, like because you sin, now you shall work. No, 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 no. He gave him a job before the curse to look after the uh, uh, whole uh, thing that he had created, you know, the Garden of Eden, everything else. Gave him a job, told him you must replenish, you must uh, continue this work that I've started in this garden. So God works. Uh, Psalm chapter 8. And verse 4 talks about what is man that you are so mindful of him. But before that, Psalm 8 and verse 3, he says, When I consider the works of your fingers in the NIV translation, some of your old translations, the work of your hands, the moon and the stars that you have set in, in place. I begin to think, what is man that you are so mindful of him? Now, I, 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 I'm just wondering whether you ever consider the works of God in your life or the works of God in nature. Have you ever got up in the morning and go, Lord, what a beautiful sunset. A sunrise. For me, it's sunset, man. Time I go home. Sunrise, sunset. We go down to the beach, you know, at our place there, walk along the beach uh, towards sunset. Is that right? In the evening? <laughs> evening is sunset, okay. So, <laughs> so when we are going down that place, we, man, sunset. Uh, the flowers that grow, the wild ones at the side of the room, little things like that. Do we ever consider? Now, as David is sitting there, he's looking up. How many of you have seen, I mean, just 
beautiful stars in the sky. I mean, we live in the city, so we can hardly see it because of all the lights. But you go out way in the country where there are no street lights, things like that, and you look up on a, on a clear day and you see all the stars, right? Now, David didn't have any of these street lights kind of thing. He's out there looking up to his sheep at night uh, in, in Israel and he's looking up at this beautiful sky at night. When I consider the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars, I consider, I begin to think to myself, God, you've got beauty in your heart and you desire to share this beauty. God, you planned every star to be in its exact place. When I consider the works of your fingers, when I consider all the things that must have gone in your mind before you decided to do something, when I think of all of that, I begin to think, what is man that you have filled your mind with him, that you uh, knitted me in my mother's womb? See, he, he begins to see that God's working comes from a desire in the heart of God, a, a, a plan out thing. It is not just, wow, I want to create something today. Poof, I want to create something. No, no, no. It, it's a planned thing that God is doing. So Paul writes in, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, he says, I am confident of this one thing. Amen. That what God has started, that the work that God has for you, all right, that he who has begun, come on, a good, come on. He didn't say he who has begun a work in you. He says he has begun a could work in you. It came from a heart that desires beauty. A, 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 a well-planned work that he has started in each one of us. Paul begins to think, man, this is good. I, I know that this God who created all things so perfectly and everything functioning so well, this God who began this work in me is going to finish it. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, And God rested, or God finished the work that he had begun. Now think with me for a little while. Because sometimes we think, you know, God created this planet, and he stood back and he went, okay, this is all very good. But what we don't understand is this, listen. When God created the planet and he finished his work, does not mean like when we create a little you know, sometimes you go to certain countries, you've got little France or little Israel, you know, where, where everything is made, miniature ones. They have a whole miniature city and everything is done. And you look at it and you say, well, that's, that's a wonderful creation. But it is dead. The work that God started was just the beginning of life. So when he created the animals... He created, it didn't mean, that's it, I've done, I've created all the animals, all the tigers, all the lions, all the, you know, all the birds and everything, it's finished. He created it in such a way that it would begin to reproduce till the end of time. He created it with the ability of everything that he made 
to continue living and propagating itself. Come on, are you getting what I'm trying to say? That it is not a finished work. It was just the beginning. But when he planted all that into planet Earth, he just sat back and said, now let's watch what's going to happen. Because he who began a good work is going to make sure that the world will continue to go on. Listen to me very carefully now. Nobody can destroy this world. I don't care how many nuclear bombs they have. I don't care what, what they say about global warming. I'm telling you, God is in control of our world. Come on. They can say what they want to say. They don't hold the power over this world because the earth is the Lord's. Not the Lord's of the earth, but the Lord's, His, and the fullness thereof. So no one can do anything to thwart the plans of God or stop it. The plans will continue. God is working. Just like in the life of Moses. He didn't know what was happening. Right? He gets prince of Egypt. Next moment, he's looking after his father-in-law's sheep. It says very clearly, not his own sheep, but his father-in-law's sheep. He's in the desert for 40 years. But he doesn't understand that behind it all, God is working. Amen. Ask Joseph. God gives him the dream. You know the story, man. I don't have to go into it. But ask him at the end of the day, he's standing there as prime minister and he goes, you meant it for evil. But listen, man, behind everything, God was working. So the first thing you and I need to understand is that when God begins a work in you, it is a good work. Amen? It is a good work. And he will make sure that the good work is complete. Not just the work is, I don't want just a work to be completed in my life. I want a good work to be completed in my life. I want God to stand at the end of the day, look at me and say, this is good. And at the end, like he created the whole planet and then he goes, this is very good. It's done. Amen. Can I hear an amen? So no matter what you're going through, you know, sometimes we feel like, where is God? Because we cannot see Him. We live in such a finite world, such a controlled world. We want everything to be within our control. We, we seemingly uh, think we know <coughs> excuse me, how God is supposed to work. But we don't. We don't have a clue. That's why I keep talking about God being holy he is different, man. The main aspect of the word holy is he is different. You cannot put God in a box. All you have to know is this, that God is good all of the time. He is wise all of the time. And he is God, sovereign, and he can do what he wants. He is in control of our lives. That's why Paul can say something like, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Not to ask and say, God, I don't understand. Please explain. God will never give explanations. Come on, amen. You know, when I go to a doctor, I want the doctor not to give me all the explanations. I want him to just tell me, is it going to be okay? I need a promise from him, not an explanation. I like him to tell me, it's all right. You know, you just do this, take this, and, and you'll be fine. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Our problem is when the doctor gives you prescriptions, you don't finish. How many of you still got your antibiotics from last year? 
still sitting there at the table. He gave you, you're supposed to take it. <laughs> I'm a good patient, doctor. I finished all my antibiotics. My wife. <laughs> she made me do it. <laughs> so when God gives a prescription, take it. It may not be good. How many of you have heard, bitter medicine is good for you? There will be problems. Those are the things that make us good. Thank God our kids get sick when they are small so that they won't get sick when they are big. Thank God they get chicken pox when they are small because when they are big, they become a pain. I know people who have died of chicken pox. I know of a person who died because of chicken pox, adult. Thank God they get it when they smoke. Oh, my child, oh, pray that they will never get any sickness. Pray, Pastor. Once they are dedicated, how come we dedicate to the Lord and yet they do? That is part of the plan, part of the program. God is at work. You will have accidents. You will have faced different things. You will have uh, difficulties with finances so that you will appreciate what God has already given to you. You will begin to appreciate the next time. You will go hungry so that the next time like Sammy, you will love Bakute. Of all the things, all of them go for lesser one, you know, Nasi Lamar. But he is the whole deal, man, Bakute. Intestines and everything thrown in, okay. So number one, God works. Number two, God initiates. He's the one who began the relationship with Moses. Moses is out there. Moses doesn't have a clue who this God is. He's been brought up under 10 different gods in Egypt. He doesn't have a clue. That's why he says, who are you? Who do I tell? See, see this is what I'm talking about. Your, ex your knowledge of God increases as your experience with God increases. If you don't have a prayer life, you will not experience God like he wants you to experience him. Your knowledge of, if you don't read the Bible like you ought to read, he cannot speak to you like he wants to speak to you. He likes to show you himself, reveal himself to you, let you know that he's a, you know, he, he, he will be there in the time of storm and difficulty. He's in your happy moments. He will bless your... I mean, all these things are there in the good book. But if we don't read it, we will never experience it. Come on. Our knowledge of God increases. So God initiates the relationship. He starts it all. He starts it all. Bush starts burning. Moses gets drawn away. Amen? That's where God, God initiates his, his uh, uh, relationship also with the people of Israel. They were crying. They had no God. So now he brings Moses with a message. Come tell them. Who do I tell them? Tell them, I am. That's the only thing he, who are you, God? I am. <laughs> huh? What a name. I mean, how, how do you, what's your name? My name is I am. But God makes himself very real. God initiates. God initiates. First John chapter 4 verse 19. We love him. Very short verse. Because he first loved us. God initiated. God comes down to us. So if you ever have a desire, I think I should pray. God initiated it. For the Bible says that the carnal mind or the mind of the flesh 
is enmity against God. He does not like to pray. He does not like fasting, especially in Malaysia. He does not like reading the Bible. He does not like coming to church. He does not like meeting just with God's people. He want to have outside and good friends. The flesh does not. The flesh wants to enjoy itself. That's what it says. So if there is any desire in your heart to make things right, to get back to God, to read the Bible, to, to do something good, I want you to know that's God. He's pushing you by His Spirit to do these things. That's why you do it. Come on, amen. All right? God initiates. Let me go quickly. I mean, all these guys are preaching so short and putting pressure on me. Number three, God reveals. So he reveals himself to Moses. He reveals his purposes to Moses. He reveals his ways to Moses. He shows Moses what he wants done. He shows Moses how it must be done. When it must be done. So here is, here is, he gets the disciples together. He goes, who do men say that I am? Oh, you are this, you are that, you are the other. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, man. Ten points. Hero, champion. And then Jesus bursts his bubble. Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father. So our understanding of you, of me, saying, Jesus, you are my Lord, it's a revelation from God. I cannot say, no man can say, John writes in his epistle, that Jesus is God except by the Spirit of God. You cannot say it. You don't really know it. But for us to bow, to worship, to raise our hands, worship, that's a revelation. God has revealed it. See, this is the privilege you and I have. People in the world mock his name. They curse his name. But we enjoy this privilege. Why? Because the Spirit of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. And we can call him Abba, Father. I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see, he cannot understand anything of the kingdom of God. God initiates, then he begins to reveal himself. You can know God. Come on, church. Don't say, well, it's very difficult. No, 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 no. You just spend a little time with him and he will reveal himself to you. Here is this lady. I always get challenged by her life. She's in, in the book of Romans. She's called, uh, you know, the bad one, the slave, the flesh woman represents the flesh. Her name is Hagar. Yet she sees God in such a powerful way. God speaks to her. God never did the same thing with Sarah, man. Sarah never gave God any name. They call her daughters of Sarah. But what did Sarah do? Nothing. Basically nothing. She was just a daughter of faith. That's about it. But there is nothing about Sarah. When it comes to Hagar, at least she had a relationship with his God. He's the one who sees me. If, if God can... <coughs> Sorry. Can reveal himself to this woman who is not part of the promise. Don't you think God can reveal himself to you? Amen? Why am I enjoying being in the ministry 40 over years now and still wanting to preach and still wanting to carry on? Because my, they that know their God shall be strong and take action. The more you know your God, the stronger you should become.
not weaker. Not, okay, I've done my part, it's finished, I now want to retire. There's no such thing as that. Your relationship with God grows as your experiences with Him grow. That's why I need to have a continual relationship with God. If my relationship with Him stops, then everything else stops. I'll be living off my past experiences only. But God wants there to be greater experiences. One more before I close. Number four, God challenges us. God challenges. He will always tell you to go beyond. Now, I, I was reading this whole thing and uh, look, did a little, you know, trying to find out some research on the number of people that came out. They estimated that there were about 600,000 men that came out of Egypt slaves. So when you say men, you've also got women, you've also got children. They estimate close to about 2 million that came out of Israel, Okay. Now, the quartermaster general in the army, United States Army did a little study. It is reported that Moses would have to have 1,500 tons of food each day. They also had animals, cattle, camels, sheep, everything else. 1,000 tons of food each day. 4,000 tons of firewood. 1,500 tons meant two cargo trains each one mile long. Water, at least 11 million gallons per day. 41,639,529 liters. On top of that, they had to get across the Red Sea at night. Now, if they went on a narrow path, double file, the line would be 800 miles long and would require 35 days and nights to get through. So there had to be a space to cross in one night. They had to, a space in the Red Sea three miles wide. It is not what you saw in the Ten Commandments. Three miles wide so that they could walk 5,000 abreast to get over in one night. On top of that, they had to have uh, at least two, three hundred square miles wide for them to camp. Do you think for one moment that Moses began to calculate all these things before he took them out? So God was actually challenging Moses to believe for the absolute impossible. Because there was no way you could figure, how am I going to do this? Nobody's carrying any water, man. How are we going to do this? We got to walk into the desert. How are we going to have wood to have our, our fires burning? We got, I mean, so many things, other things are not mentioned. This is a quartermaster's just survey of what had to happen. And this is an army person talking, all right? They, they look at the calculations and they say it, it is an impossibility. If Moses, one man, Moses didn't have a whole committee to plan and then say, okay, now, committee, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring out close to 2 million people. Let's plan. There was nothing, no plans, nothing, but God had plans. He knew how to keep them cool in the daytime by having a nice big pillar of cloud over them, central air conditioning system. At night when it got so cold, there was a pillar of fire to keep them all warm. Come on, a rock that would walk with them. We go say, really? Uh, 
feeling one or not, actually happened one. Ah. It did. Historians are beginning to find out that it did. Archaeologists are beginning to discover that they did. Now, listen, what am I saying? That God challenges us to believe for impossibilities. It's not possible. Don't place God in a box of your possibilities. This is what God, if it can be possible for you to fix the problem, then fix it. But when it becomes out of your hand, then you say, God, I don't know how it's going to be done. Whether it's in relationships, in a business, whatever it may be that you have placed an X over it going, X marks the spot, this is impossible. Let God break that X. Let God take it out of the box. Let Him do something. That's why we come to church to hear a message about who this God is and what He's capable of doing. Can I hear an amen? They that know their God shall be filled with strength and take action. They will display strength and take action. Action. Would you stand with me, please? Oh, I'm praying so much that every one of you will grow in your experiences with God. Then you will know Him in a personal way. You can say, you will not just depend on others, but you will say, God, I thank you. That's why we have testimonies. Because each person has experienced God in different ways. And when you have experienced him, then you begin to share that experience. And others get courage, take courage. Like reading the Bible. This is what God did. Why am I sharing from the word of God? Because this is what God did. And you get courage. Your faith begins to rise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the more you hear, the more you hear, the more you hear, your faith rises up. No matter what you are going through, I'm telling you, no matter what, you may think the situation is so bad, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. In the book of, uh, uh, when, when, when Sarah was told, you know, and she began to laugh uh, about the whole situation, she's going to have a baby, God spoke to Sarah. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, he asked this question, is anything too hard for the Lord? That's the same question he's asking you. Jeremiah 32 verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I am the God of all flesh. So where you're standing, you say, God, I am flesh. You said you're the God of all flesh. That means me. That means me. And you're asking me this question, is there anything too hard for me? Leaders, would you come? We're going to serve communion in just a while. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.